worship and plundering in our hearts, oh God, would you let us once more hear from you? In Jesus' name. You may be seated. I don't really like gardening. But my husband loves gardening. He's an avid gardener. He has over a hundred vintage rose bushes. And so I love to go to his garden. Some of you are looking at me funny. Is my hair that bad? Well, there's no mirror up here, so just bear with me. <clears throat> but today I want to take you to a garden. And you don't have to be a gardener. If you are, that's great. I want to take you again to Gethsemane. Many of you have already been there. But the Lord spoke to me this morning and he said, Will you go to Gethsemane again? And... This is one garden that is different from any other garden that I have visited in my life. We need a Gethsemane in our life so that God can do what he needs to do. You know, denying the flesh is obsolete in our society. It's just whatever you want to do, honey. If you like it, go ahead. So it's really not uh, protocol or politi politically correct to talk about killing the flesh. But I am more convinced than I have ever been that we cannot really know Christ unless we suffer with him. There's a scripture of just a few pages over from this that says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. It's not a very popular idea. But I want to take you again to Gethsemane today. If you've never been there before, it's not a beautiful place. I have been there to that particular garden. The trees are ancient and gnarled and it's not a very beautiful place. But in Gethsemane, Jesus Christ gave up his will. And you know, I know that he died. The actual breath went from his body when he hung on the cross, surely. But he actually gave everything and gave away his rights and his will and died in Gethsemane. That's where he really said yes. A lot of times, things in our lives, when God asks us for those things, we say, just as Jesus did, Abba Father, 
If there's another way, let this cup pass from me. Is there some other way we can work this out? But not my will, but thine be done. I really want to talk to your hearts today. I, I couldn't hardly do anything this morning but cry. I was so, I had another thing that I was going to talk on. I was excited about it because you were going to just be hanging from the roof and so excited and I wanted to leave you that way but I kept weeping and feeling this and I please forgive me if you think that I'm dull or that I'm I don't know whatever and you know what I'm not in charge of my reputation anyway he asked me if I would go back to Gethsemane today and when we look at the word suffer or suffering, it is, the whole connotation is unbroken fellowship. The word fellowship is communion, to partake of or to be partners with. Suffering is to be cast away, receive damage, or to suffer loss. Are we in that place today after we have sought God for forgiveness? After we have been cleansed of our attitudes, are we in the place now that we can truly and honestly say, yes, I will go to that place with you and I will lay down my life and I will suffer so that I might be worthy to reign. I know it's not popular. I know that it's not something that we all get excited about. But Jesus went there for us. And he is our example. And do you know that unless we are hurt deeply, we cannot be used greatly. We all want to be used, but are we willing to pay the price, whatever the cost? My mother is, I want to encourage some of you women today. My mother, we were in a church that had about 20 people my whole life. And all those people were fighting with each other and critical and they put the children down. I was eight years old when I started playing for church. My feet did not touch the pedals yet. I knew about three chords, but I was it. There was five guitars and they were all tuned in their own world. <laughs> but I was trying and I was learning some things. I, I was taking theory and music, but I was also, I, I could pick things up by ear. And I had an elder in that 25 group come up to me one night and say, you play, you're, you play like you're from the honky-tonks. I didn't even know what that was. I thought it was related to a mule or something. I don't know why I did. I was in this church. My mother was alone. And because my father was a raging, cursing maniac it didn't take anything sister turner to set him off 
And yes, it goes back to a horrible, terrible childhood. Damaged goods. My mother was alone and for 43 years she served the Lord. 43 years. And in the midst of all this, right at the end of that 43, a church, this same church I'd grown up in, we had made peanut brittle, my brother, enough that we could have paved the, the highway from here to Fort Smith. And I didn't get to stir because they were always afraid of my hands getting because I was a klutz in the kitchen. So I had to bag. And uh, in the, in the, like right in the 43rd year or something, this church that we peanut brittled and whatever, bought, bought the land. Some pastors came in after my pastor retired. It wasn't just a little while that they decided that all of these precious things that we love, these covenants that we hold to and believe in and know that our power and that our preciousness and, and all of these things anointing, he, they said it wasn't important and they took the church out of the organization and my mother sat in that church as long as she could until they started getting up and saying you women with buns on your heads need to go out and cut those buns off and get rid of that pride and so she finally decided that she needed to go somewhere else but right in the middle of all of that the Lord started a marvelous work. We didn't know about it, but this daddy of mine went to Landmark and he was sitting in the service. Jack Cunningham was preaching in Stockton and he had not been going with my mother to church and it was this big uproar. She, the group left that church and went to a storefront and started another group, another church. My mother and several of those uh, people. My dad went and he went to Landmark and Brother Jack Cunningham preached. And that night, somebody came up to him and said, would you like to go up front and, and pray? And it like to shock my mother to death, but he said yes. And that very night, the Lord filled him with the powerful gift of the Holy Ghost. 43 years. It was not without a personal Gethsemane. It was not without much agony and loneliness. And I'm not saying I got in trouble in Kentucky a few weeks ago. Someone misunderstood me and said that you should live in a battered, abusive relationship with a man. I don't believe that. I don't believe that a woman should be beat on and, and all that. It's not the will of God. But I do believe that if you can, and he's not hitting you and abusive and all those things, my father was verbally abusive, which sometimes can be just as bad. And it's so amazing. I have to tell you women, this is four years later now. When we sit at the dinner table and he prays for our food, or he'll be sitting in the living room and he'll say, Oh, praise the Lord. I got to tell you that I'm thankful for my mother's Gethsemane. I'm thankful that she stayed there. 
and agonized and gave up her own will. And that daddy of mine, 71 now, going to be this month, he's teaching Bible studies, he leads the men's prayer, he cleans the church. What is it that God is calling you to? What is it that needs to happen in you? When my oldest daughter was 15, she ran away with a drug dealer. My mother can hardly stand to hear me tell this story. But I'm going to give it because somebody needs to hear it. She ran away with a drug dealer that was incredibly cruel. He beat her. He held a nine millimeter to her gun in my living room and raped her brutally. I took her to a friend that's a gynecologist. It was just awful. We didn't press charges because the people he was affiliated with, I had three small children and I was afraid for their lives. So I didn't press charges. She was gone from our lives, in and out of our lives, for about five years. Many times I did not know where she was. We got a call one night about eight o'clock that she had been murdered with this drug dealer. Through the night, I kept going to the window. It was an, I wrote a song that night called, Come the Morning Light. I kept going to the window, looking out and saying, God, it could just be daylight. I know that I'm going to live through this. A lot of things happen to us in Gethsemane, but when it involves our babies, you mothers know what I'm talking about. I did not know what was going to become of this child in and out of our lives. We did everything. We took her to a Baptist school outside of St. Louis. We left her there. When she came home, within two months, she connected back to this drug dealer. It was awful. Finally, when she was 18, which is in, in California, that's an adult, we packed up her things. I'm talking to somebody today that's dealing with this, or you have, or you're getting ready to. A lot of people will counsel you and tell you things. I had a counselor tell she was not one of us, precious one. She, a therapist, we were taking Mindy, we knew we were dealing with some heavy problems. She was listening at night, she would listen to music in her headphones when she went to bed. It was horrible rap music that were planting seeds in her mind telling her things to do I felt as a mother that I needed to get rid of those things so I went in one day and cleaned out everything in her room but the therapist called and said put all that stuff back that's hers that's all hers that's her private you need to you know and this woman was supposedly a Christian and so I went and got the garbage and out of the garbage and I put all the stuff back. The Holy Ghost talked to me that night. And the Holy Ghost said, the only rights that child needs to have is the rights that you give her.
And so I, I trashed everything. And people uh, through that time, even ministers, told us that we should emancipate her from the family. That if she did get pregnant, that I should never go to the hospital and see about her or the baby. That we should shut our doors to her. <laughs> I'm saying this because sometimes people mean well, but they're not walking where you're walking. They don't know. And so I could not. I loved her, but there was a, there was a, there's a bee in here and everybody's getting scared. A wasp. Oh, it'll go away. It'll sting your go away. <laughs> God. In Jesus' name. One day I decided that we had put up with enough. So I packed five big green garbage sacks and set it outside of the chain link fence. And I said, Mindy, you're 18. You're on your own. If you're going to continue in this, we had spent for a three week program to put her in this place to protect her. We spent $42,000 for a three week. I said 42,000. When you're desperate, you'll do anything, anything to save that child. I could not see in that Gethsemane of my life how anything good could possibly come from this. And I agonized. I wore a rut in the carpet. I fasted till there was nothing left of me, hardly. I nearly ruined my health. I went on two 40-day fasts. I went on a 21-day fast. I I just felt like, God, if you don't do something for this child of mine, I'm going to just die. Gethsemane, it's not an easy place. It's not somewhere where you pick to go for a vacation. But it is a place if you want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. If you really want to know him in the power of his resurrection. After this going on, she moved up to my mother's. When I said all that stuff out on the road, she moved to my mother's. It wasn't long until she finally somehow broke up that relationship with this man. <coughs> she, excuse me, she started to come down and see us some. The Lord spoke to me one day and said, I have seen the crushing and the bruising and the brokenness in your life. Now I want you to get up off of the ground and I want you to begin to worship me and praise me that this child has been so lost and wayward because I'm going to do something powerful. And so I took a new turn instead of wallowing on the floor and agonizing. I started going to In-N-Out Burger and eating hamburgers and worshiping God because I knew that the answer was I didn't see a change in her but I just knew that God had told me to worship and so I got up and started worshiping and eating feasting and believing 
She got pregnant. She was dating this boy. She got pregnant. I met with her and this man and my husband. We sat down on the couch. I had met him. Let me just go back a little bit. Mindy, one day I talked to her on the phone. I said, Mindy, what do you want from a man? She said, well, I want him to have black hair, olive complexion, black eyes, and uh, I want him to have muscles. I said, okay. So I started praying that. Lord Jesus, I want you to give this man muscles. And I want you to, and I went through the list, but I tacked some stuff of my own on there. Lord, I want you to make him so full of truth. I want his passion to be for you. I want him to love you. She didn't know I was praying all that. And so, um, and we had a time with her. She dressed in halter tops and these Daisy Dukes with her buns, excuse me, hanging out. And she'd go to the mall. Her face looked like a Japanese sunset. You couldn't see the pupil of her eyes. If I'm lying, I'm dying. It's the truth. Listen, Tammy Faye had nothing on her. Amazingly, Mindy never one time, not one time ever touched a drug, never tried a cigarette or took a drink. Now that's gotta be God. But it was horrible. We'd go, I would take her to the mall and she'd dress like that and I, I just couldn't stand it. And we did everything. We begged her, threatened her, bribed her, everything to try to get this child. And I would look at those men the way she looked at her body and I was ready to kill them. Because that was my baby. She was wayward, she was gone, but I loved her. Anyway, she brought this boy, one Thanksgiving, she brought this boy, and I was in the kitchen sink, and when I looked out the window and saw them coming up the driveway, I did a little jig. Because this boy, I could tell right, dark hair, I couldn't see his eyes, but I could tell he had dark hair and he had muscles. And I just said, this has got to be him, God. This has got to be him. And so he went on some trips with us, and she was connected to him while she got pregnant. And uh, so we had a meeting and sat down, and I said, now, Gilbert, what are you going to do about Mindy and this baby? And he said, well, I really love Mindy, but I don't love her enough to marry her. So... I said, okay, I'm glad you're honest. We're moving Mindy home from Mother's and we are going to, uh, we'll raise the baby. And so it was a unique experience, this daughter of mine, getting in bed with her daddy and I at night because she was scared of wall noises, whatever that is. She'd come and get in bed and I'd feel that baby kicking me in the back and I'd say, in Jesus' name, let that baby know you. In Jesus' name, let this baby feel you right now. And I was concentrating and committing that baby as we would lay there in bed asleep at night. And he started coming down on the weekends. Gilbert started coming down to see her on the weekends. Now this boy knew zilch about God. He was... Raised in a home that his mother worked three jobs and sometimes she would go to five different places to give blood 
so that she could let, collect $50 to buy groceries. When he was five years old, he would take care of himself. He had two sisters, but they were gone with their boyfriends. And he would stand at a stove and cook his own eggs at five years old. His mother, drugs, alcohol, never knew his daddy. His daddy left him when they were little. Now this was not my idea of what I had prayed for. And they were sitting there on the couch and I said, well, we're, we're gonna go ahead and raise this baby. And he started coming down to visit us on the weekends. One weekend, I watched him in service. I'll never forget the sermon was, it pays to serve Jesus. And he ran to the altar fell into the altar and began to weep and for 45 minutes he cried out all the hurt all the despair from that little boy's heart cried and cried and at the end of 45 minutes and he was also addicted to drugs and alcohol but God did a marvelous deliverance and filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost the next week he called us. I want to be baptized. And I want to meet with you all. We had a meeting. He said, Mindy, I really want to marry you. Of course, you know, we're all like <laughs> Jesse Cats. <clears throat> Sitting there on the couch. Smiling like Jesse Cats. But I can't. He said, Mindy, I want to marry a holy woman of God. Well, it wasn't too long when she decided to get holy. Man, we, we unloaded those drawers of all those ungodly, wicked clothes, took them out in the backyard, built a bonfire, and had a victory march. <laughs> oh, I tell you, it was. I laughed at God and the way He does things. He goes through the back door and does stuff so wonderful. It is, I delight in the way he operates. And so we flew, we got temporary license. We flew to Las Vegas. We married them there, came back. I can't begin to tell you all that God has done in their lives. But just let me tell you this. We're five years down the road. That precious Gilbert Gomes in the prayer room sounds like he's been in this for all of his life. He prays like I cannot believe. And now he's got these two babies, Josiah's almost two and Taylor's four. And yes, he's got muscles, but now I call him the Holy Ghost hunk. And those babies, They'll walk behind him in the prayer room and they think they're Holy Ghost hunks. And they walk like him, hallelujah, hallelujah. Josiah can't hardly talk, hallelujah, hallelujah. That precious daughter of mine, 
is a leader in worship. She is powerful. At the end of this month, she's going to New England. She's going to preach to the young women in that district. They're preaching youth revivals and, and the power that is in this couple. They are our youth pastors. When these nine gang members prayed through just a few weeks ago, you better believe he knows how to reach to those guys. Would I have chosen Gethsemane? Would I have chosen to know that kind of suffering? Probably not. But oh God, when I see the way he operates and the things that he can do for us when we're willing. Oh, oh God, that I might know you that I might know you. That I might know you. I feel the Holy Ghost. Let's wait a moment till I pray. Those of you that are in touch, plugged in, pray right now. Uh, uh, Somebody needs to obey God. Somebody needs to obey God. you out I have deliberately allowed the crushing and the breaking in your life you have become like fine wine poured out and broken bread but I have called you to this place because you are the one that can reach and know you have suffered with me 
and I've seen your agonies in the night. I've seen the river of tears that you have shed. But I am your beloved. And I will answer. Believe in me. Don't lose hope. Don't lose your hope. For I will answer. I heard your cry. I know you. I know your name. Look in my face today. Look in my face. For I have come to meet you face to face in this place. I am your God. Let's stand together. I want you to reach your arms to him. Reach your arms and let him encompass you and embrace you. God, whatever the cost. I don't know where the road will lead, but I do want to know you in the fellowship so that I can know power that power of resurrection that life that flows the river the living water that flows out of you and through us we will go with you moment Jesus Jesus can you cry to him Jesus Jesus